Pleasance Podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Paul Lawton. I'm James Lindsay. Together we make up the uh, masterminds behind the wildly successful independent label Pleasance Records. Some of that was true that you just said. Uh, yes, the wildly successful part. <laughs> it's all scale, right? It's all relative. Right, right. So, uh, James, we got we had a lot going on uh, label wise. Let's give a little rundown. We just heard uh, the new "Feel All Right" single. Yep, up and at him. That's a personal fave of mine from the record. The too. truth about us. Mm-hmm. Very good. Which is uh, being was recently premiered on Beat Route, Alberta's finest. Alberta's finest, Va- Vancouver's finest as, as well. well. Yeah, this was Beat Route Alberta too. I see. So that's great because I feel all right from Calgary, and it's uh, relative to their hometown. Mm-hmm. By the time you hear this, you have also heard tracks from um, who? Oh, you hear, you would have heard the new, seen the new Traders video at this point. The new video for the single Thin Flesh. Thin Flesh by Traders. By Traders. Thin Flesh. Hot up-and-coming goth band about to embark on their second tour of Europe. We're winging it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we had uh, the, the the Feel All Right uh, premiere on, on Beat Route. Beat Route, one of the magazines, just to brag a little bit, I was Wait. on the cover of that magazine one time. Get out. Yes. In, the, in my garage punk band, Mylon Sheaths. Wow. About. Almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy. That is crazy. We're all getting old. <laughs> yeah, and um, Beat Route used, I, I think, still, but it, it's it's this monthly print magazine. They've been going strong in Alberta and Vancouver for, like, as far as I can remember. Uh, and to people at West, it was always seen as the, like, counterpart to Exclaim Magazine, sure. which is the na- national music magazine. But Is really... it an alt-weekly beat route? No, it's a monthly. It's a monthly? Sorry, yeah. you already said that. I didn't listen. It's all right. Uh, it's one of those things that's, like, a, it's, a, it's a music magazine that basically exclusively covers um, kind of, like, Western Canadian music yeah. for the most part. And they bring in, like, like cover features from, from bigger artists that are going to be on tour. Um, and it was really interesting, like from being out there, uh, you would get exclaim everywhere still, but there was this like distinct feeling that it was like a voice that wasn't our own. If you... Yeah. Uh, and the likelihood of a lot of the bands that we were seeing and like going to shows in Calgary that were like completely sold out and in Calgarians and Edmontonians and, you know, Vancouverites and people in Saskatoon and Regina were like losing their minds over these bands that, just got no recognition by any other Canadian music media at the time. Or or there was some recognition. It was just a little bit of like maybe a review or or the odd call out. Uh, and I think a lot of the reasons why that is uh, will have something to do with the conversation we have for our guest today, which is Tom Mavis. Mm-hmm. This is about the kind of concept of of public relations it's been kind of a theme in the last few episodes yep. um but we've been hearing the last two episodes with uh sarah mcdonald Stuart and berman. Stuart berman which were about the kind of like writer side of it and we wanted to get the the other side the other side of, of of someone who actually works as a music publicist yeah full disclosure too i've known tom for 
over a decade now. In fact, Tom used to play in a former Pleasance Records band at one point. And then, um, yeah, after that, Tom got his start doing PR, doing a couple freebies or, or uh, sort of cheap. Yeah, like for he's, me. he's worked uh, on a lot of Pleasance, notable Pleasance releases in the catalog. He did some significant stuff. He got uh, Das Rad on the stereo gum. If you don't know who Das Rad is, I wouldn't blame you, but yes. they were a highly well, underrated band. To me, one of the like I would say, like top five Pleasance release. I, I was very like the Dos Rad guys. record is so good. Yeah, that band was a monster live. They were great. Didn't really translate outside of Toronto. Nope. But um, Tom did some great work for them and got them great optics. He's worked with a band formerly known as Germaphobes, uh, and now he works for Hive Mind PR, Buzz Records, great uh, publicity company. So he's worked with tons of interesting stuff, Weaves. Uh, as well, he's doing some band management now. Yeah. Uh, one of the kind of notable success stories that he's had in the last uh, bit has been the, the was like 20-person band, Sam Coffee and the Iron Lungs. And there are at least 20 people. There's now. like 20 <laughs> like bearded men on stage at one time. Yeah making beautiful sweet power pop music mm-hmm. uh and that band in the last six months has actually caught fire a little bit um also my wedding band yes so true. i i feel like special about it's like this thing now that i'm going to be the guy when sam coffee is like a kind of a notable canadian rock and roll band because it's kind of how they're being marketed yep uh, not as a power pop band, but as like a, just like a rock and roll, like, baby. It's for people who still like true music. Yeah. Do you remember when people used to play guitars? Well, you know, here's, here's three guys <laughs> playing guitars and a bunch of other guys. One guy has a double neck guitar, so that's two guitars on one person. Yeah, we're you know? counting necks on stage. That's two more for But, it. like, Sam was, like, the one guy when I moved to Toronto. He was very good to me uh, as just, like, a friend. Uh, at one point helped me move and they played a they played like a wedding band set they learned all these covers that we requested oh that was such a good show and it was great and the first song i ever wrote for my wife they performed it mm-hmm. as like a in a sam copied up version thrilling and so like he's you know been part of that success story and i kind of we're going to talk to him a little bit about that the, the degree to which management is important versus the degree to which is important and for those of you listening who are kind of still trying to figure out how to like launch your quote-unquote music career to the degree that that could ever be a thing anymore without having money or uh famous parents maybe (laughs) or anything else this is a this is gonna be a good one for you then i'm yeah i'm i'm curious and I, i i you know music marketing is so interesting to uh, to all of us i remember before so. tom started managing him the best sam coffee show i ever saw it was like just before tom sort of like helped take over there we was at a record store it's no longer there in parkdale in toronto called parkdale platters yes yeah and it was an incredible show it was very tiny and there was a ton of people there and there was free beer i remember and a dominatrix walking around with a bladder of wine pouring at people's w- mouths and tom saying Every word. I it was the first time I ever heard the hit Sam Coffee song talk to her. Tom yeah, already knew the yeah, words by yeah, heart. Totally. And when the drummer accidentally put down his sticks too early and then they had to do a uh, encore, Tom ran over and grabbed new sticks and gave to him. I was like, Now this is a manager, I thought yeah, to myself. Totally, yeah. The the Sam Coffee band uh were just you know, I was talking about with someone recently, they're a band that like just kind of like 
were part of the Toronto garage scene and power pop scene for like six years. Yeah. And we're kind of like just floating along. And then, you know, they get do a recording with the guys. Like, wasn't it like a, one of the guys from July Talk? Oh, is it? And then they get on Dine Alone Records, which is like one of the kind of major indie major indies in Canada. And Burger Records in the States. And Burger Records in the States, which, labels. which they kind of like were allowed them to maintain some credibility in the scene that mm-hmm. they kind of came up in. The sort of power pop garage. Although garage I don't know how much credibility Burger Records ever really had. I think it's like Burger <laughs> Records, if you're listening, forget yeah. I think you're an incredibly cool label, and that's sort of the big thing about it. There I was just, a meme going around of some guy passed out on a couch and two people talking over him. He's like, why has this guy been on my couch? And the other guy says, who cares? He's on Burger Records. <laughs> <laughs> One of the funniest things about Burger was there was a short-lived experience. The Burger, if you don't know, is this garage label based in California. Mostly tapes. So. Uh, they mostly did tapes. They were like one of the, the labels that kind of kick-started the tape revolution in that scene. Yep. Uh, and we're just putting out everybody right, at one point. Like they, they would did 300 ele- releases one year, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, and then they came up with this model that they just got destroyed for. I remember being on. There was a while where the where the web forum Terminal Boredom was a huge Ooh, part yeah. of my life. Like like day and night lived on that forum. And I remember the burger thread for when they did this new model, which was you could pay to do a burger release. Uh, Hot Dog Records. Hot Dog Records, which was like, if you weren't good enough to be one of the 300 official releases we did this year, uh, you can pay to kind of like be on our imprint. And there was such outrage about that. Yeah, I remember that. And I'm not going to name names, but I know so many other labels of of labels that we both know in this city of Toronto that basically work in a version of that model. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where, where it's like, you want to be on our label, you're going to pay for the pressing yourself if you want a physical copy uh, of that record. And so, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so I don't think that, that the, we- the, the hot dog records thing was much of a big deal and then this is where we get so niche yeah that we've now shook every listener so let's we're going to tell you a secret. <laughs> you know um other than that like i guess what else do we have coming online in uh may 11th which is in a couple should be depending on when this episode comes out we'll be in like a week or so yep uh maybe two weeks uh we have a pleasance record showcase at Canadian Music Week. The Garrett Canadian Music Week, teaming up with our friends Mint Records from Vancouver. Yes. So, James, why don't you tell us the hot roster of all the bands? Uh, can you do it off the top of your head without looking at your phone? I can I can do it while just while I look it up, but I don't want to forget anyone. So I'll tell you the first band. It starts at 5 p.m., mm-hmm. uh, kicked off by yours truly and my new uh, punk band. Don't bother. Don't bother. Is the name of your band? Is uh, the name of my band? Yeah, we got that. So we'll be at the Garrison, which is a really, I'm really happy we're there. It's a big venue. Then we have from uh, from Mint Records, Heaven for Real, the great, great band Heaven from Halifax, Nova Scotia. And then Jay Blissett, young Jay Blissett, all the way from Lethbridge, Alberta, making his first Toronto appearance. We're really excited about that. Um, he's going to be backed by Goosebump. the Goosebump guys. The great uh, standard. So that that's gonna be exciting. And we have Man Made Hill kicking it off in the back room. This will all be in the main part. And from Montreal, we have Mundy's Bay, who's a great new upcoming kind of dream punk band. 
Then uh, the aforementioned Goosebump playing. Then we have uh, one of our, I think we can say it. We've told everyone else, Let's Walmart. Walmart, who, who we'll be working with. Uh, yeah, we just got the mastered album uh, back from Mikey Young Maybe out of Australia. Maybe the best Australia. punk band in Toronto right the, the, now. Are the are best the punk best band, band We love Although, them very much. I'm old now, so don't go see all the punk bands. So yeah. that's just maybe there's other better ones, but we like <laughs> Then we got Isla Craig, who we will be working with later this year. Her new album's coming out. Beautiful, beautiful singer. She's played with U.S. Girls. She's played with Jennifer Castle. Yeah. She's played with, uh, she was in a great band called The Deep, which is when I first met her. And she has a solo career as well. Incredible singer. Then, uh, yeah, The Traders. Um, and then Tough Age, our friends Tough Age, also on Mint Records. Then Wim. This will be a very special performance by Wim. And then, uh, yeah, closed up the evening. We have the incredible, the phenomenal Petra Clint. So what's exciting about all of that is, you know, we also have a special release coming out just for that show. Yeah. Uh, which is a new EP from Wim, That's which true. is coming out on a cassette in yeah. time for that uh, show. A, little, a nice little EP. And their European tour. They'll be going over again, doing uh, two weeks. So we'll we'll uh, play some of that, probably that new EP in the next episode or, or two. So, so stick around for that. So... Uh, but Canadian Music Week, which, um, I don't know. So we're getting passes so we can go check out the festival. Mm-hmm. And who are you excited about? <laughs> I'm excited to see Young, uh, sorry, Unblonde. Oh, Unblonde is playing. Yeah. Okay. At, at uh, the Monarch, actually. Which there are 7,000 cool bands playing, so I miss, I didn't get to you. There's yet. some good stuff <laughs> happening, though, this year. I got to say, Lydia Lunch playing with our friend Crystal Jacks, Bridget Bardot. Yes. That'll be very interesting. Um, I, I saw that there is the uh, the Brian Jonestown Massacre are part of CMW. Oh, sweet. So Hoping I can use my pass to parlay an entry oh. to that show. And there's the reunion for that great Vancouver band that only ever played. Oh, music. slow, What's slow. Yes, I'm excited for that. Uh, for the like heads, like slow was a band that started taking off in Vancouver in like the kind of early mm-hmm. grunge era, uh, and they've decided to cash some kind of cred checks, and they're playing again they're playing slut island this summer as well they've been playing they played a show in vancouver recently so agree that i can but there's a bit of kind of like false narrative going on there all these people are like yeah finally slow i'm so excited to see this band again well, isn't there a great story behind them where they played at like a, a public space in vancouver for a festival and just destroyed it like yeah they were kind of like um Canada, like an earlier incarnation of like, and you'll know us by the Trail of the Dead, like where raucous. they were just known for just like being bad dudes, badass dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you remember like the the narrative around Black Lips when that was being pushed. Oh, he's playing guitar like 10 years ago. You're going to piss on each other bottles, on stage. Yeah. And like this is like, and you go to that because, you know, it's dangerous and. You know what I mean? And so I Yeah, I'm, I remember seeing Black Lips on that tour and it was like almost like we just waited for the guitar player to take out his dick and he did. And yeah. then like, he smashed a bottle and cut his hand and played it with a, like a slide on his guitar and he did. And I still remember leaving not feeling very much afterwards. Well, and that's just it. Like I, I can imagine like myself 20 years ago being a little m- more uh, dynamic on stage than I am now. Mm. Or maybe that's not true, but I used to definitely do the power pop power punk 
uh, I can't even speak. I remember doing the pop punk jumps in oh, bands, yeah. you know, your, your feet when there was up. the stop and you just did the jump. Yeah. Um, but I'm not doing that anymore. So I can't imagine these slow guys are, I think age has probably tempered the rock rebellion thing. So then if that's your whole identity, which is like, you're these like badass dudes, I'm eager to see if it translates. Yeah. And then is there anything worse than like a, someone in their like late forties having like getting naked on stage? Like, I don't know. Like what? <laughs> in this day and age too, we'd all be like, no, we didn't ask for what this. What does that look Stop like that. now? No. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it, I remember seeing a band called Sailboats Are White who are still maybe around there, a Toronto Hamilton punk band with a drum machine when I started going to shows in the aughts. And they played a great venue that's been gone for so long called The Bagel. And it was just an insane night. And the audience was like tearing the singer's clothes off, including his pants at one point. And I thought that was so awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then later I realized that he was so fucked up that he didn't even know what was going on. That oh, the my audience God. was just pulling it off. They smelt weakness. They smelt weakness and <laughs> went for it. Yeah, absolutely. It was like Lord of the Flies there that night. Oh, my God. Uh, so let's take a break. Um, Tom's on his way up soon. And so let's hear that new Trader single called... Thin Flesh. Thin Flesh. Uh, and we'll be right back.
pod. I'm excited. I think I lied in the intro and said I knew you for a decade, but it's almost close. Yeah, it's like eight close. years or so. I think right now, anytime you get close over seven, it's a decade. Yeah, yeah. Because it round, feels right now, it feels up. like yeah. a decade. Every like every day with all of what's going on in culture and things, it's like everything. Time has slowed down, and things just feel like you've been doing. Like, how long has Trump been president for now? Like, like hundred years. A hundred years. <laughs> yeah, right? something close to. Yeah. So, uh, Tom Avis, tell us about uh, who are you and what do you do, and why are, why are, why do you want to come here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because because I like you guys because because um, I think you do cool stuff and uh, I love the pod. I'm a huge fan of the pod. It took me a decade to get on the pod, but we're, now I'm yeah. here. We're definitely keeping that part in. Yeah, <laughs> well, for sure. That'll be a, that'll be a blurb. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I I run a PR company called Hive Mind PR. Um, so we do yeah, like PR for for bands and labels and stuff. Uh, I also manage a band called Sam Coffee and the Iron Lungs. Yes, um, who are are good boys, very good boys. Yes, um, uh, who are rightly beloved by all. I I would say. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Have you ever heard? Uh, I... So uh, so yeah, you're you're doing music publicity with your uh, music PR. Uh, with with Hive Mind, mm-hmm. uh, tell us about how you got into that line of work as Hive Mind. Like and you built this up yourself. Yeah, right? well, I mean, with like with definitely like uh, the aid of a bunch of good fortune and the help of some of of other people for sure. But like, um, yeah, it was a. I mean, I got into it kind of by accident. I was doing like kind of PR for like the bands I was in, one of which was on Pleasance Records, mm-hmm. the Venerable Pleasance Records, um, and like through doing that. Uh, like it went well enough that other people kind of asked me to do it for them, and then I realized that like, oh, you can charge mon- people money for this. Like this is a, right. yeah. this is a job. <laughs> like other people have done this. There are companies that exist that do it. And I like and yeah, just kind of started doing it that way. Um, and yeah, like had some things go well. Was like I said, lucky enough to work with some bands that are really great um, and have done really well from it. And it's just kind of grown from there. So it was though. Like how long before you started doing it to where it became. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's gonna sound great. Um, it, uh, it's it's weird. Um, I'm not I'm not totally sure because it was kind of like there was a long period of time where I was doing it as like a kind of like just like a gig thing. Like it's like if somebody asked me to do it, I'd be like, oh yeah, fuck it. Like I'll sure, like I'll do yeah, that for yeah, like yeah. Yeah. like five hundred bucks and a pack of cigarettes or something. But like like sure. it's like yeah. like then it like it, it sort of slowly became a thing where it started taking up more and more of my time. Um, I mean, I'd say like maybe. From when I first kind of started doing it to when it became like a, a day job was maybe like three years ish. So three years of just testing, 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 figuring yeah. out what's working. And I and wasn't like the, the the whole three years wasn't spent like pushing it like necessarily super hard. Like I wasn't like trying to build it into a business for all of those three years. Like towards the end of it for sure. But like initially it was just kind of a thing that like I it, I was doing sometimes and then more and like I was like and that at that time I was like writing more too like I was writing for publications and stuff like right. that so it was like it was yeah it was like kind of cobbling together an existence through like a bunch of different things like that so uh, yeah so you're doing all of the PR for the buzz like you're like the in-house guy for buzz yeah bands. yeah but then you take on other projects as well for other labels right so Set, such as your own and and yeah a bunch of like Dynalone and I don't know but uh, Memphis Industries I've been doing some stuff for recently a great label in the UK. Um, yeah, and there's like a, a few US labels have been picking up stuff for recently as well. And then like uh, Paperback, who I think you guys are talking to. Yeah, they're coming more. in uh, the next episode. Yeah, actually. They're the pretty best. soon. Next week. They're yeah. great. Okay. They're lovely people. Great. I, <laughs> I gotta say, like, seeing, watching you do PR from the beginning and everything, you really took to it like a fish to water. 
at a certain <laughs> point. I have never seen anyone so naturally gifted in the art of public relations with music as as you. Oh, Tom. thank you. So I was just wondering, like, do you have, do you have a, like a philosophy, even like a personal philosophy about music PR, like what what it should do for a band, what a successful music pub, you know campaign can look like. I mean, it's hard to say definitively or like in a sort of like pithy, quotable way, I think, because it's just like it, it changes so much all the time. Yeah. And I think like that's like, you know, if I if I think about like how different it was when I started doing it, just like how different the environment was in terms of like what the publications were, how they influenced each other, like like it was totally, totally different than how it is now. Um, I mean, I think like the one thing that I've always found is like, helps you do a better job of it is just really getting to know the people that you're working for, like knowing the band, learning as much about them as possible, because like that in that way you can communicate why they are interesting in a better way. And like, like I think like what Sarah was talking about when she was on the pod um, a couple of weeks ago and how like, you know, important, like having a story or having something to, to that, that makes a band uh, something other than like, like, you know, the stories has to be something other than like band puts out album. That's yeah. not very interesting. Yeah, we met each other in high times. school and then <laughs> we were in this band and then we're in this other band and now we're in this new band. Right. Yeah. And, and like, that's, that's like it. That's, that's the only narrative. Right? It's not. And that, the, the, but the funny thing is, like, that used to be fine. Like, like yeah. a few years ago, even, like, that was like totally okay. Like, people would like, that's, that works. It's fine. But you're we'll finding that. that, that right now for <laughs> you to be successful at what you do, which is like getting the attention of writers who are a dwindling lot in many in many ways that you need like a really strong narrative core to telling that story yeah i think so and i think it's, it's about kind of like just like trying to put yourself in the headspace of the people who are writing about it like what what right. makes their life easier like right. what do they need yeah. in order for this to be like a, a a good thing that is enjoyable for them to do right, right um right. like and, and it's like that's like that is often like having a story, having something that can be, that they can dig into or like, or, or talk about with the artist if they're interviewing them or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, like, and, and, and setting them up with those pieces so they're not sort of casting about in the dark. Like, that makes, yeah, makes everyone's life way easier. And it makes for like a more interesting story that is often, you know, closer to the one that the band would want told about them or how they'd right, want to be presented right, when you've right. got, when, when you have made that effort to like talk to them and spend time with them and understand where they're coming from and, 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 and how they want to be portrayed or whatever, you know? So of all of the, you know, you, you're you're pitching to a lot of different publications all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know, each of them have their own kind of like uh, people that are behind it. So a lot of it is still, as we've heard from the last two episodes, like a lot. How much of your time do you spend communicating with music journalists and writers and things like that, and outside of pitching them, or do you do that at all? Is that part of the? Oh. Yeah, I mean, for you. it's it's pretty varied, really. Like you know, I mean, there's some, there's some people like some writers who I um like have become very good friends with, or like was good friends with before, um, sure. uh, who I like hang out with and see all the time. Uh, and then there are some where it's like really purely a professional relationship, right? Um, and that like yeah, it it, it it's it's super different from time to time, from like place to place and situation to situation. I think for sure. Um, I mean, I think the thing about it that I like. It was like a realization I had with it when I kind of started doing the PR stuff and it was like, you know, like doing it for like a band I was in and you like think about it and you're like, oh, like there are a whole bunch of people whose only job is to do this, is right, to sit there right, all right. day, yeah. like trying their best to like to get people to pay attention to bands. And so like in order to to like have even like a ghost of a chance with them, you have to like approach it with a similar mentality of like yeah. spending that level of time on it. But there's another layer to it, which is that like 
you know, if you're working with your own band or like a, like maybe like, you know, if like you're operating like a label yourself and, and doing your own PR, you've only got you're, you're only you only have a reason to get in touch with people every so often. And it's harder to like build those relationships in that way yeah. because you don't you have less shit to talk about. If not, if nothing else, you know, sure, where it's sure, like, sure, like, sure. you know, like different projects that I work will result in like building different relationships with different people who get excited about it. And it's like, okay. and then yeah. it's like, oh shit, like later you'll be like, oh shit, like they probably also like this new thing. And like that kind of like knowledge that you build up over time is really hard to do when you're doing it yourself and representing just like one thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get the kind of like the constant, uh, positive and negative reinforcement of stuff people ignore and the people who ignore certain things versus like the oh this guy like i know i can pitch this kind of band to this one writer yeah well you just yeah you just learn what people's tastes are like i mean it's the same as like any kind of thing of like you know it's like essentially it's a community and it's like lots of like the writers are like especially like are are all friends with each other (laughs) like everyone knows each other yeah for sure greater less extent so it is like kind of a um it is like kind of a community thing, and it's just a thing like of like you know like I hear a certain thing, and I'll be like, oh man, James would love that. I gotta play this thing for James. For like, sure, like yeah. just like with your friends or whatever. It's kind of the same thing. Like you just like at a certain point, you realize who's into what, to, and you can make decent guesses as to like whether or not you're pitching them something that they're gonna dig or, or not gonna dig, and then right, you right, don't right. pitch them the things that they won't. Obviously. It's a much like like less <laughs> formal kind of communication than too, and you can just be like with, like you said with your friends, be like, hey, you gotta check this out. Post to like. Often, if, if I'm doing PR for one of like our bands on my own, I'll, I'll have to cold call people, right? Yeah, and figure yeah, it out. And you have that's to, like, right. I first thing I do is introduce myself, you know, and it's a lot easier when you don't have to do that, obviously. Yeah. No, for sure. When you've had a reason to, like, yeah, when you've had a reason to to interact before or whatever, yeah, and it's sure. like it's less of a, it's less like formal, maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, because I, I even think about the natural, na- like, the nature of like when I've done my own PR for projects that. A smaller thing, or we're just testing something, so I, I take it on. It's like, oh, this one guy and I are like tight, anyways, and we're just naturally friends. He also writes for these publications. It's really easy to get uh, that person to write a story just because they're naturally, you have just like this natural inclination to kind of call up friendships. And so that's why I think whenever like we've made the decision to like work with hive mind uh like we did last year um you did uh press for mm-hmm. yeah the band that i was in and um you know we just knew that we didn't have the right kinds of contacts of people it made sense for us to pay that money and what was actually really interesting about it because i do a lot of the band bookkeeping was that we actually like ended up roughly for the money that we paid you i would directly attribute that to about tripling that that money for us that's awesome which is great yeah yeah so we actually did the math and it was like oh my god like i wish that i had thought or you look at like the the price tag sometimes you go oh well it's just an lp we're only spending this much money to manufacture it so um, we're not going to we're going to spend more to do press than we are to manufacture it. However, now it's like, but if you don't do the press, then you're not going to get on. Like that helped us chart on CBC Radio Three, for example. Yeah, CBC Radio Three is broadcast on Sirius XM. Sirius XM is broadcast in the U.S. and it ended up like we got this windfall check randomly. Oh yeah, like all the sound exchange money. All yeah, the sound exchange yeah. money. <laughs> Which came directly out of 
the fact that we focused on certain things and that helped us get that that push as a new band quote unquote so yeah which which to me is like you got to spend money to make money everybody knows that but a lot of new artists are afraid to invest maybe no for sure and it sounds like a lot when you just like look at it on an invoice or like think about it but then it's like when you think about like the way a band is and the way a band makes money it's like you know, you look at, yeah, you look at that PR bill and it seems like a lot, but then you're like, oh, like that's probably like the guarantees from like five shows. Yeah. That's right. Like that. Yeah, and it's totally. Like, and, and you're going to get those guarantees, hopefully, because like you got like decent press or whatever. And it's like that, that's, that's what's going to help you move forward. Right on Things that like are these just people coming to check out the new thing or do they, would they have even heard about the new thing if we hadn't? So it's like, it's this constant negotiation in your head about like, how to tally when you're actually getting into numbers and being part of the DIY scene has traditionally been about like doing it for nothing or right all yourself, your own energy or whatever, right? So it's always been, it's the shift. So I don't know. That's not even a question. It's more of like a weird. It's more of a, <laughs> it's more of a so rant. weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a rant as much as it is like, you know when you just do the same thing over and over again and, and you're like, it's like hitting your head against the wall in yeah. the same way? And I think that's been like 20 years of my own music career was like hitting my head against the wall. And only now that I'm too old to really like cash in on it, <laughs> does any of it even start to make sense of like how it works? So, Yeah. I but I mean, I think like, like I, and it is, it's, it's weird though because it's like, I feel like every time you feel like you get a grasp on it, like it just moves, like it moves in your hand. And it, it's like, yeah. it's not like it, it is. It's like always changing. And there are like a lot of things that like, you know, worked in one context that don't work in another. Or like sometimes I'll see like an idea or something and I'll just be like, there's no fucking way that's going to work. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I've like learned to never say that out loud yeah. because the odds are really good that six months later I was totally wrong. Right, <laughs> like, it's right, like, right. Just, like, like I feel like just like not, like, not approaching anything with like, uh, anything with like any, or don't approach, not approaching things with like too much certainty, I guess. Sure. Because I think it's like, it, it like with, I mean, it's just, yeah, there's so much, like, flux and there's so much change within, like, the music industry at any given time um, that I think, like, yeah, it will it will necessarily confound your expectations. And sort of, like, being aware of that is a really powerful thing to have. For <laughs> like, sure, yeah. So it's hard to talk about, like, obviously the future, like you were saying, but with everything changing so much. But at this point, right now, when do you think in a band's career is a good point for them to start thinking about PR? Oh, I mean, it, it It can really depend, I think. I mean, I think that, like, there's definitely a benefit to to being, to being building some sort of, like, buzz on your own independent of that. Just, like, like, even just, like, being a part of a scene. Like, being in a scene in a city and, like, getting to the point where, like, you know, you're on, you're playing shows on a regular basis mm. and people are coming to them. Yeah, <laughs> um, right, right. Is, like, rather than, like, jumping straight in the other way. But, like... At the same time, like it, it really, it really can work in a bunch of different ways. I mean, I think, I think by and large, it's it's a pretty hard go for a totally independent act to be bringing on a publicist, just because I think a lot of the time, if you don't, and this is like a, not a hard and fast rule, but it's like a lot of the time, if you don't have kind of a team together and a plan in place for the things you're going to do outside of the press. Touring and touring what, what media and you're gonna do outside of like getting hits. Yeah, exactly. Like then you're 
you're not going to be very well positioned to take advantage of it. Sure. And there are obviously like uh, like exceptions to that. There are some bands that like you know just really have their shit together or like yeah. are like have like a way of functioning that that works really well in for for whatever reason outside of the structures but it like you know having like an agent and stuff is really helpful <laughs> like, right, like right, having a booking right. agent rules right. um it's great uh like for a band uh, to, and and like you know being able to plan those things and put those pieces together it just means that like the investment that you're making in it is going to be it is 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 going to be a safer bet cuz yeah. it's always a gamble yeah cuz i think like, um what do you think is working like like you you like you work with some like re- actually like legitimately successful bands that you've been a part of building we talked about Sam uh you did the a lot of publicity for Weaves and they've been doing very well um what do you think it is about those bands that is actually enabling them to kind of like thrive in the conditions that the music culture is in right now oh i mean there's I mean, those two examples are interesting because I feel like they, their like successes have been like almost opposite of each Completely other. Completely different, <laughs> like, right? Like, exactly. They're, they're, they're like, yeah. I mean, there's there's some commonalities, but they're by and large quite different bands. And also, like the kind of roots they've taken have been more or less completely the opposite. Um, right. Like, like where it's like you know the, like with the weave stuff, it has been coming coming more from sort of like critical praise, like begot uh an audience for them and and like and that was kind of like the way stuff built like they got the attention of the press first and yes. then and then people kind of got behind them whereas like with with Sam uh I mean there's definitely been some like some really great uh some great stuff in in press in like the US and and stuff uh for them as well cuz that was the thing with Weaves like Weaves like I think Weaves got people's attention in the US before anyone cared about them in Canada and then people really? cared about them in Canada because they were getting this attention in the UK and the US. Right, right, um, right. Like, I mean, like, like one of the big things that I think kind of like, like what really helpful thing that happened for them early on was they got invited to play Glastonbury on their first EP. And like that, that was when people, I think in Canada started being like, oh shit, like this, Legit. this is like yeah. this band is doing stuff. Um, whereas with the Sam stuff, it's like, we like it was on Burger in the States and we got some, uh, some like nice stuff like press wise on on that side of things, but also like a lot of it has been through uh, radio, um, sure. which like now like we've get gets played on the radio, but like on their first record they definitely didn't. But well, Sam's getting played on, like rock radio, like yeah, across the country. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. <laughs> it's really cool, right? Um, and yeah, there's a lot of people who've been working very hard on his behalf and doing doing some great stuff. And um, Sam's been also like going on tour with like bigger like canadian rock bands right like yeah they were on t- tour with the cheap dogs they were on tour with like the dirty nil and uh, uh, the flatliners the yeah. flatliners and so they've been just like grinding it out in that way and taking those opening spots at the same time they're getting radio that's working still for them yeah which is i mean cool. it, and it's I, I think like the thing with those yeah like like they they do they kind of can fit in a lot of worlds like they sort of they you know they make sense like touring with the Sheepdogs, and then they make sense touring with like bands like the Flatliners, who are much more in a sort of like you know like pop punk kind of vein. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not really what they sound like, but they do make sense with those kinds of bands. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting. Like they can kind of they can kind of play with a lot of different people. Sure. Um, which I think has been pretty helpful for them. And then Sam's going across country with Sheepdogs and doing like going on air. Yeah. With like the like the morning guys. <laughs> I love like, the morning specials in particular. Yeah, it's super cool, <laughs> right? Like so. So they're like legitimately following a strategy that was set at laid out and then they put the album on and approached everything very systematically and they've been kind of building. I mean, cause I almost like I've been, th- I think about Sam a lot just cause like I know them 
all. And thinking about it from like they were a band for like five years in the Toronto, six years in the whatever it is. It was like years in the Toronto garage punk scene. Mm -hmm. And they were just like at the level of basically kind of all the bands that are in that scene. You know what I mean? It's like and then they had the burger thing and they were on Southpaw in the U.S. in that first record. And so it was clearly that they were like good. They started touring a bit more and all the rest of it. And then with this record, you can really actually see like an A B difference between them following a path and following a strategy versus before when it was a little more ad hoc, where you do a tour and then not tour again for a year or whatever. It was like yeah. systematic now in a way that it wasn't before, and it's paying off for them. And yeah. it, they're also very good, though, right? They so. are, which helps. <laughs> it's it super helps when someone can write a song as good as Sam can write a song because, right. like, yeah. like you know, like like that, like yeah, they're they're a really great band. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like I think it's like it is often. I mean, there's no yeah, there's no guarantees that any any kind of strategy is gonna work. But um, I think that's the thing of like, there's no like magic bullet. Like there are very very few things that you can that can happen to your band like in and of themselves that are going to be like the one thing. It's about like a bunch of things happening in concert and around each other and like allowing like you know a- a- allowing like like perceptions of, of a band to slowly shift. Like it it like I feel like in in most instances a band will look like they're the things are going well will look like they've like gotten big before that's actually true and then yeah. like that perception sort of like builds into the reality of it sure um fake it till you make it yeah basically <laughs> yeah but like um so yeah but i think it's like like having that strategy and having a bunch of different things happening is is kind of like you know and it's all a bit of a it's to some extent it's a bit of a muddle but like you kind of like set out a a bunch of things that you think will work hope will work and if like half of them work Right. Then like that might be enough, sure, <laughs> Which, but sure. it's like I think just like having everything lined up and making sure um, that there is a plan. That like when you do, you know, when you when you decide to like say like put out a song or like spend money on making a video, like why are you doing it? Like do you like do you have like concrete goals as to like what are we gonna get out of this? Like why are we doing it now? Like w- like what do we hope will happen if we do this? Because I think it's like sometimes a sort of like. A thing that I've I've seen a lot with bands and like making music myself as well is like there's a an impatience when yeah. you like made something and it's like you really want to put it out and move yeah. on to the next thing but it's like don't do that because once it's out yeah. in the world you can't get it back right. and you can't put it out in another way you only get like one chance to do that um, so the sort of like I think I think like yeah just make like having that that step back and that thought about it and and trying to sort of step outside. Of like say like your own excitement and having made it or or whatever is is a, is super beneficial in in moving forward. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm wondering. Well, you've done you do a lot of different kinds of bands and stuff like that right now. On average, how many projects at one time do you have on the go? And um, do you purposely limit that to say I've got too much in this quarter and I've got a? Yeah, it happens, and and because it's just like. I it's like really just try, trying to gauge like what I can do and and what I can do a good job of. Sure, sure. Like it's like I don't want to take stuff on that I'm not going to be able to do in a way that I feel like is doing it like the service it deserves, I guess. Okay. Um so yeah, sometimes it is like and it it really sucks sometimes. Like so it's sometimes like a label will come to me with something and I'll be like, "I love this. I would love to do this so much, but like you can't ask me to do this on like a week and a half's notice. Like yeah. I I can't start a campaign in a week and a half. I've got all this other stuff and if I did that, then I would be like 
telling this other stuff that is that I'd be deprioritizing these other things that are important. That you've been like, working on for months. Yeah, yeah or like yeah. The, or the people who got in touch with me like way earlier. Right. Uh, it's sure. like and it like it's it's super frustrating sometimes when that does happen because it's like, yeah, you like I don't know. I, I yeah, I feel like there's there's, I get sent way more great like music that I would love to work on that I have time to work on a lot of the time which is which is I think also happens to like every label like and like everyone gets sent a lot of stuff that they would love to do uh what's your advice to bands or or labels to try to like get in touch and work with someone like yourself or with yourself um yeah I mean like there I mean there are super basic things of just sort of the way you approach it and how you present stuff I mean th- like these are I feel like pieces of advice that you hear in like every like music industry advice thing that you'll ever hear but like the like like send a stream like not yes. attached to mp3s oh, yeah. <laughs> like like sure. um have I with 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 like a uh, band like or like a band or a label project publicist have like new music that has not been released and send that in the initial email? Yeah, because yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. if yeah. even if I really like something, sometimes like chasing it down in a context where it's like you've just sent me like one single that you put out a year ago and you're asking for a publicist and like wh- for what? <laughs> like like sure, like sure. what like what do you yeah, want me yeah. to work on? It's not clear, you know. And, and like like so like the, being like. I think, like, yeah, like, upfront and and having all the pieces in place already, you know, having, like, an album and having a plan. Like, you know, like, being, like, we have this album, we want to put it out around this time, like, with, like, this kind of rollout, we're going to have, like, two videos and we'll be touring at this time or whatever. Like, if that's all in the initial email, that makes life so much easier. Because you can Um, go, oh, yeah, I've got time for this, this is good or not, like, I'm into this, I think I know who I could pitch this to. Yeah, like, like, and, and, like, you've got, like, these, like, kind of anchor points of, like, where we can, you know, be releasing things or or how it'll it'll be together. And also, like, I know that, like, it's not going to be a thing where, you know, we'll decide to work together and then, like, you don't have the things that I need for me to do my job and then probably get upset with me (laughs) <laughs> at the end of the day but it's like but things. it's like uh, i was you know like like i i i just was not put in a position of, in, in a position for this to succeed yeah. and it's like it's that's a very frustrating feeling so it's like trying to avoid that scenario is, sure. is, is 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 i think a big part of like what goes into figuring out what what would make sense to work and what is what wouldn't so you think people sort of like treat, treat publicists, especially like music publicists, like uh, like sort of rainmakers, right? Like if we just give Tom the money, he'll make it make it happen. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, not too much, hopefully. Like I think, yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely like moments where I think it, 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 there's a lot of things that like outside of press that can be good for a band that kind of rely on press being like in on, in a lot of like strategies being like the first sort of like block in the foundation is like we got to get like a little bit of something going there and i think like that can be a lot of pressure sometimes when you'll realize that like early on in an album campaign or something it's like oh fuck like i'm like this is like the this is like the make or break thing right now and it's like a lot of pressure you know what is what do you say to bands who are like i i we need to be on pitchfork and that's like the only thing that we care about or X like I don't know if there's other versions of we need to be on pitchfork or if we need we need something. is it is it still we need to be on pitchfork I don't know like these like tentpole publications that yeah that's I mean that's what makes we need to be us. on pitchfork is definitely the common one and and I think like I think the answer would be largely that if you can find a publicist who will say to you I can get you on pitchfork I will get you on pitchfork run away really because nobody yeah, yeah. Yeah. nobody who knows what they're doing would say that. 
Like nobody would, nobody who knows what they were doing would say up front to you, I will make this happen. Right. Because that's, they, that, like, that is just an indication that they don't understand how it works. Because a lot, like, the, yeah, there's just so many things that go into it and you can't, you like, well, with the exception of, of maybe certain people in certain positions, you can't force, you, the, this is not about forcing anyone to do something, you know, sure, it's sure. like, you're yeah. not, you can't like, you can't call them up and, and make them cover it. Like they cover it because they think it's relevant. They cover it because they like it. They like, you know, there are a bunch of reasons why, why there's a whole their um, schedule and they have room for it. Yeah. Like all yeah. of these, all the stars have to align. No, exactly. I mean, I think like what, what Stuart said on, on the last pod was uh, a great example of, of that, like kind of like these, these things lining up where he's talking about the Petra Glint thing he's like you know I, I pitch a lot of things normally if they haven't heard of it they're not likely to pick it up that one like he, he I believe he said like I think it was just like a little bit of a slower release time so they were willing to take a chance on it and sure. it's like yeah. that's awesome and that happens but that had nothing to do with the band that had nothing to do with the label no. that had nothing to do with the publicist it was like the yeah. music writer who maybe got pitched it was like oh yeah I'm yeah and 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 I think like that's the thing that kind of happens is that it's like like when you're when you're hiring a publicist, I think it's like you're 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 trying to put yourself in the best position to succeed. Sure. Um, and hopefully, you know, if you're hiring the right person, they will put you closer to that. They're like the odds will shift a bit in your favor. Um, but it's still hard, and it's still like you know, there's a lot of random chance involved in in stuff because it's like things that you know can make a big de- difference that can kind of like you know really like change things in a positive way for a band. That the difference between that happening and not happening can be like the mood somebody is in, like somebody's like kid was sick and so they didn't get a lot a lot of sleep. And when the like high energy punk record lands in their inbox, they're like, This is annoying, my head hurts, I'm tired, fuck off. Yeah. And like on a, and on and on another day, yeah. they might have like on a you know, when they've gotten a full night's sleep, might have heard it and been like, This is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And it, like you can't like there's not yeah, yeah. there's no way you can control yeah. on that. Or I mean there's That's like right. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's so many examples to think of. I mean, you accidentally spelt my name wrong. I'm not even gonna look at the email. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Like I mean, things like that. That's like, the thing you can control, right? Yeah, I mean, right, like right, hopefully, right. if like, yeah. which is not to say that those errors don't happen because they do for everyone to a greater or less extent. But it's like hopefully, like you know, you've hired the publicist who won't misspell the yeah, person's sure. name, um, uh, who won't make silly mistakes like that. But I mean, like, like that's yeah, that's the thing you can control. But there are so many factors you absolutely can. I mean, like, like even like you know, you yeah, you have it with bands all the time. Like just like somebody. Somebody happened to, uh, their like was some writer was at a festival and their phone was dying, so they dipped into a venue to charge it and happened to see this band and they loved them and now like like and it's like no one did that that just happened and sometimes that's the way it goes. Right. Like, yeah, right. Um, right. I think like, it's so easy to forget that like hu- that it's a human factor. Yeah, it play like for the majority. Like it's, like, it's I all a human factor. Yeah, well, that's like, why I got up talking with Stuart too. Is like I think we were trying to hammer in like tell us how the pitchfork robot works, you know, <laughs> so we can feed it coins or whatever. <laughs> And he's like, well, I just, you know, he's talking about why he chooses stuff and it just came down to I liked it. Do you think there's a danger going in the other way of being, like you said, uh, when when particular tastemakers get involved, like, oh, if so-and-so is associated with this project, like, we have to at least check it out, right? And there's danger of, like, people taking on too much stuff. Because, you know, for example, my email exists in some database of music writers from having written a dozen times for Weird Canada yeah, several mine, years mine ago. Mine also does. So <laughs> I can't click the spam button enough to keep 
like submissions coming for people who are asking for premieres on Weird Canada. Sometimes these are often bands that aren't even from Canada. So the fact that Weird Canada isn't even active anymore, the fact they only worked with Canadian artists, the fact they didn't do premieres. Every time I think these PR companies are a nightmare, like someone's paying these people to submit even like on an off chance to someone who hasn't even actively written for music in five years. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely like, I don't know. There are definitely some people doing it who, probably shouldn't be <laughs> or just taking money or is it that a danger just taking the money I, sort of and then being like, i don't know i mean I, yeah i i i i i i'm sure like i like i i don't i can't like it's funny i can't think of any like specific instances of somebody who i've like worked with or heard of working with where it's like like you know that person is just like ripping bands off but like yeah. i get those emails too from having like written about music and it's like there's some people where it's like you know, you get the email, and like as a publicist, it's like, oh man, like they are yeah. in bad well, hands. Are like, yeah. like whoever whoever yeah. is handling this, like is just yeah, not does not get how this works. Well, like if there is like, I mean, there is a database list. I know I've downloaded it and looked at it myself when trying to them. do my own thing. It's like I need these people's emails, and that has worked for me zero times. Like the no- the amount of emails I've sent into the void at all of these shops where. Uh, you know, it's so we learned a few things from Tom today. One of them is have a plan, Mm -hmm. right? Don't just go willy nilly into the dark and expect, uh, like, uh, any kind of output unless you get like you win the lottery, yeah, which is like still happens sometimes. You get like a band that just like strikes it big and it's all random and no one can tell you why. People just like it, (laughs) but to have the best shot, you have to have a plan. That there, uh, I like this idea of that there is no magic bullet. That it's like you know this belief that if you get on a certain site, then that's going to change your fate. Probably not. And it's like a. And the third one is, uh, which is one I think we haven't focused on enough, James. What's that, Paul? Um, put out good music. That people <laughs> oh, want to hear. Shit. Oh no! no sounds- what have we been doing? <laughs> It's not no. It sounds pat, but it's like it's not. It's not like <laughs> that's not what I like. It, it's, Ice cold. But no. But it's like it's what what will resonate with people. Like there's so many random reasons why something. You know, like 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 I always think it's a really fascinating phenomenon of like how like music ages. Like you like hear yeah. like something like especially like, nowadays. It's like to my mind, it's like you know some stuff that I was listening to when I was a teenager or whatever. I'll listen to it now and beyond like some nostalgic connection to it like it'll be like super embarrassing but at the time like it wasn't just me who thought it was good you know it's right. like like the whole internet was like architecture in helsinki are the best band <laughs> and, and then it's like when you listen to them now it's like christ what were we all thinking whereas like you listen yeah. to something like 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 say like i, I never I always, got on board for that band ps fair i always enough. thought that shit sucked <laughs> i always really like i liked it as a teenager but that's whatever. fine you're a teenager um, but i like whereas like you look i mean this is like my personal taste or whatever but like you like if you listen to like the Rapture's first record now, it still sounds great. Like, it still sounds great. I it, still like, jog to House of Jealous Lovers. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. At uh, least once a week, that is in my head, on my headphones, yeah. still. Punishment from you know? higher places. It's so fucking so good. good, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, but, like, like but that shit. But, so- like, that first LCD sound system record is, at the time, was, like, like to me, was, like, the like a very important record to me. It was, like, the early when you could, like, the... Basically, when like Pitchfork and that kind of like blog MP3 blog era and LCD sound system like capitalized on that in a really unique way, and I can't hear it all. Like I hear like 
Daft Punk is playing at my house in a bar, and like I want to go outside, like I just can't, <laughs> I can't handle it. And at one point, that was good shit, you know. Yeah, and it just doesn't hold up, and but, who knows? But that's what I mean. It's like, like you know, to say put out good music is like not necessarily like, like it's like, like there's, it's, it's, uh, it's there's so many factors that are so complicated as to why, like at the time that worked and now it doesn't and like just like you know the, like the confluence of like trends and ideas that are in the ether Culture. or like I mean like yeah. the thing that you see sometimes which I feel like is, is a really interesting phenomenon where it's like you'll get a band who's doing a thing and they'll do okay and then another band who's doing basically the same thing like eight to nine months later will get really big and it's like that probably wouldn't have happened if the first band hadn't like laid to the groundwork just introduced like, the idea the, yeah. like, like prepared people for this idea and it's not right. like the, the, the later band was better at it yeah. it's just that like they happened to like Fortuitously have good timing. It's like Inception. Like, They're like seeding that idea into the right. public. But it's like it's like it's a it's a kind of random thing. Or like 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 one example of something recently that, as far as I can tell, at least, uh, seems to have have like really blown up without like uh, a sort of like hidden hand behind it. Because uh, like often you'll have like these like these stories where like everyone's trying to make it seem like that happened, but actually like they're managed by some like big deal person and there's a whole plan. And and with this, it doesn't seem like that. It's like the, the Westerman, uh, this guy Westerman, he's put out two singles. Um, they are both amazing. The first one especially is just like this incredible tune. That, like when I first heard it, uh, it had gotten like a write-up on Noisy, I think. And then Pitchfork had covered it. And I like I listened to it and like just couldn't stop listening to it. Like I was like the mysteries of this arrangement were like too much and I have to keep listening to it. And like then everyone on the internet reacted to it in that way. And sure. I, it is really good, but it's also like I think maybe just like a bunch of ideas that make a bunch of sense right now. Like it kind of sounds like like eighties Phil Collins and also Arthur Russell. And like now we're in a spot where like that's a thing that like there's a, an appetite for yeah. for whatever reason. Whereas like if that had come out like two or three years ago, probably not. You know, and it's right, like, yeah, and, yeah. and like, like is is like, you know, I mean, it's just like that's a context thing that like no one can control. Kanye West samples Arthur Russell, maybe, and all of a sudden people are like Russell, and then this thing comes people, out, yeah. and it's like now we're used to hearing things that kind of sound that way. Yeah, and people are like, like say, like I don't know, maybe like something like I'm trying to think of, of an example, but I've, yeah, I feel like there there are a bunch of things where it's like like a bunch of like say like. I don't know. Say like a band like Tops being like a thing. Like yeah, top, like Tops yeah. do do well, and like that's a band that like you know I feel like in some ways would prepare an audience to be into like a smooth, light, late seventies, early eighties pop sound. Like yeah, which right, is like right, right. like you know like like that like that band's existence and popularity like helps to lay the groundwork for a guy who makes a record that kind of sounds like Phil Collins to be like critically praised for it. Sure. Um, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. and uh -huh. and like yeah, it's it's not like to say that those things are like good or bad. It's just like a weird like vortex of interacting thoughts and ideas you yeah know? yeah that's why i like i i think we always like when we think about bands to work with the existence of them existing within a scene where there's there are other people laying the groundwork for a certain idea yeah is very like interesting to me you yeah know? for like, sure it's well, something we even we were something we were talking about before you got here was like bands that tend to do really well are able to fit into a certain category at a certain point, right? Like we've yeah. noticed, like one of our bands is doing incredible right now. Traders, you, mm -hmm. you worked with them on PR. It's yeah. like, like we've talked about because they're a genre band, like an easily definable genre band. Right. Their built-in audience is massive. Like often we just have to introduce the music, and people like like throwing bread into a fish pond, just like come to <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. you know? Yeah, we're we're talking about this book I'm reading right now called "Made to Stick: Why Some Ideas Succeed and Other Ideas Fail." <clears throat> and you could almost like, uh, you know, inter take the word ideas out and put the word music in. And 
it, it's like pretty eye-opening in that sense. One of the things that they talk about in that book is a study that these kind of social scientists did a couple of years ago where they studied five years of the top award-winning advertisements uh, and looked over five years. And what they found is 92% of those successful ads actually fell into one of six distinct templates. And when they did the same analysis of advertisements that uh, were in the same time span that were non-successful, they could only classify 2% of those ads within those same six success templates. And to me, that is like, wow. Like when I think about that and I immediately go to traders who we have a new album that we're, we're promoting right now on Pleasance and it's killing, like it is selling so well. And it's like, is part of why it's selling so well is because it fits. It's like, we don't have to convince anyone. We don't have to convince anyone. You like goth music. You like a little bit of industrial music. You're going to be into traders. Yeah. And there's no question. And that genre and that scene just quickly picks up the signifiers of the band and can like get right into it. And so, whereas other bands that we've tried to push that are, well, it's a little bit of A and a little bit of B, and then there's a little bit of this thrown in, and it's like there's no easy way to classify them. They don't fit in a template. And the sales numbers back up the fact that it's a struggle to sell that kind of non-disclosable music. But as a musician myself, I know that the artistic impetus is to make music that doesn't easily fit within a template. So it's like to me, you get this like this other approach that I think is, I don't know. Well, for us, we'll explore. Further, at the same time, but. I think it's like if if you if you're making something that's like too cookie cutter to a genre, people will be suspicious of it. Like, yeah, you know, like they within won't certain to it well. scenes, they will for yeah. sure. But well, if you look at the actual top plays on Spotify, the Spotify Canada Hot Fifty, the first twenty of those that aren't Drake songs <laughs> fit into a very tight genre. Like it's that new pops, modern pops, or even just look like it's really selling right now, hip hop and country, right? And Calvin Harris, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or stuff that sounds like Calvin Harris, like like that really like polished pop music. Yeah, I mean it's weird. It's like a, it's, I guess it's out of the question of like why do people like music, and it's, that's a, a, a question with many many answers. <laughs> like I mean like no like like because I think it was, it was, it was I was reading this um, Rolling Stone feature on Mitski actually the other day, and she said something that I've been thinking about a bunch. Um, since where like she was talking about like the phenomenon of like people getting her lyrics like tattooed on them and then like meeting them at shows and like how it like really upset her initially and like weirded her out and then she kind of like calmed herself down by realizing like no like they're not getting a tattoo of like me they're getting a tattoo of like this important time in their life mm-hmm, that like yeah. I was there for right and right, like right, and right. that's like yeah. an interesting way of thinking about the way that people consume music it's like it's like it's not necessarily about like the thing as much as it's about like the place and time in which you experience the thing. Sure. And like, that's like, I think sometimes with like something like say like a goth band, like if one's identity is tied up with the idea that like, I am a goth who likes goth music. And then you hear something that like affirms that, then it's like, it makes sense to get excited about it. And like, and we, we all do it. I'm not saying yeah. it's like, like goths yeah. are dumb or something. Like I'm yeah. saying like, like that, like, like that, that's like a big part of it. Of We're like also why you get into stuff, not, you know? not saying that. <laughs> no, no, I'm not at all. I love gods and God. You're going to fuck our campaign up so bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for the record, uh, my first tattoo I got when I was 16 is the Bauhaus logo. 
Nice. It is my first one of my first favorite bands. Where you got a tramp stamp of that or what? Yeah, it's a. It's like you got. It's like part of like a barbed wire tattoo, and then the circle instead of it being a yin yang, I got them to do the Bauhaus. Nice. That is a great team tattoo. <laughs> I'm we... just kidding. It's just the face. <laughs> I don't have a barbed wire tattoo. Yeah, whatever, Paul. I, uh, I, I, you may have seen that I posted this on the internet yesterday, but the Toronto Maple Leafs Austin Matthews has the face of a man standing next to Peter Murphy in a photograph from 1985. Yeah, he looks like the he singer of the goth band. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> like, like, it's like, it's like, yeah, it, like, like, I don't know what the goth band is called, but I know he was in one. I've seen him in a photograph. Like, it's real. It's, it's definitely a thing. Austin Matthews uh, rules buds all day. Am I right? Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry, I didn't understand that. I, I had to go to one piece of advice you would give to bands kind of struggling to kind of cross that buzz threshold. Not buzz records, but right. buzz the thing that you we can see and touch um, and eat. This is maybe a little bit abstract, but I feel like don't don't tie your sense of self-worth to how well or not well your band does. <laughs> because that will kill you. Uh, and like, it's not like, it, it, like the there are so many factors. It's not a meritocracy. Like the ways that like things will succeed or fail are based in on in large in in a not insignificant part on random factors of the universe. It's not your fault, and you're not bad. It. I mean, you might be, but you, like, <laughs> like you're not necessarily. You're not there a bad are, person. Like maybe. yeah, like 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 fight. You know, care about your stuff, work hard on it, but like, have other things in your life. Like, man, I feel like you're talking like directly at me. So thank you, um, Tom. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I, I, I'm so happy to be on the pod. Great. So happy to be on the pod. Uh, happy to make your life a little more fulfilled. Though. I think oh, this yeah. this is a good episode. I think this <laughs> I is gonna. So. I think this is gonna move the needle for us. <laughs> so thank yeah. you so much. Subscribe, comment, please. Pleasant uh, pleasantrecords at gmail.com if you want to yell at us too. And yeah, pleasantrecords at gmail.com. Is it record or records? R- records. Okay. We got more than one. <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any comments or suggestions, reach out to us. You can hit me up at, at quartermass on Twitter. Um, James Rob Lindsay. And Tom, you're on Twitter as well. Uh the company is. I don't I'm not a big tweeter myself. You're not? No, oh, I've okay. I the, the I've never caught into that particular echo chamber for whatever reason. <laughs> well, you're one of the lucky ones, though. Thanks again, Tom.
needs to come from her. <laughs> <laughs> 